think him and Dr. James Naismith is two of the most important people for the game of basketball. Um, obviously, Dr. Naismith, because he created the, the game. And then uh, David, his vision, his vision to make this game global. That is LeBron James talking about the now deceased uh, former commissioner of the NBA, David Stern. He passed away yesterday, and uh, this is after um, he suffered a brain hemorrhage three weeks ago that required emergency surgery. He never recovered. Sad, sad for the family. But not only for the family, but for uh, basketball fans. Greg Brady, who is our 640 Toronto host, filling in for Alex Pearson tonight and doing a great job throughout the holidays, tweeted out, uh, I'd make the case David Stern and Pete Ro- Rosell are easily the two most influential and visionary commissioners in my lifetime watching sports. Stern revolution- revolutionized uh, the NBA, and that's not the same as growing the game. He joins the show right now. Greg, welcome to the show. Happy New Year to you. I, I used a lot of big words there. Yeah, no, it's Did just I me. I have a problem. I with reading when I've only had a couple hours sleep. It's the turnaround, you know? It's usually, get, I'm not used to the schedule. I've been sleeping in too much over the holidays. I'm well familiar with it. Well familiar with the turnaround problem uh, over the holidays, yeah. Yeah, so um, let's talk about the importance of uh, David Stern to the NBA. Well, I mean, in the mid-'80s, we had such a different sports landscape. We're, we're 10 years out from, from really anything, you know, anything sports-based on the Internet where leagues can promote themselves. So you had television, you had newspapers, you had magazines and, and conventional radio. And the NBA was a, a, a clear, clear, almost a tie for third with, uh, with the NHL among the four big sports leagues. There just wasn't this global presence. So the NBA benefited tremendously, Kelly, from – three or four iconic players coming into the league. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were, were in the same draft. They came into the league in 1979. Michael Jordan comes into the league in 1984. So Isaiah Thomas, to a lesser extent, those four real heavy hitters. But when, when David Stern takes over, the NBA playoffs are not on television. They're on tape delay. I remember you get your TV guide on a Friday. And if you wanted to watch an NBA, let's even say it's last year with the Raptors and the Bucks that'd be on after your late local news. Like, they needed a better uh, better exposure, better television deal, and I'd also bring it almost a decade forward to where the NBA, and David Stern especially, had the foresight to say, let's go to the Olympics. Let's right. play in the Summer Olympics. It doesn't interfere. It doesn't have the conflict that the NHL has where they're fighting and, and you know, going to war over whether, whether they can shut down the season. They can play in the summer. And that Barcelona Olympics in the summer of 92 – with all those stars, we still when we hear the words the dream team, we know exactly who they're talking about. That's all those players I just mentioned, with the exception of Isaiah Thomas and some others. And it uh, it, it it took basketball to the globe. And so by the time the internet hits, the NBA is a more global sport, probably at that time than the NFL and certainly more than Major League Baseball or the NHL. Let's go back a little bit to something you said earlier on. You know, the the, the uh, games, you know, you'd watch them in rerun after the news. Is that because, uh, the, the you know, was that mainly because we've got a, a very black uh, league and, and there was racism that was uh, prevalent in the States at that time? What was the deal? I think it was something to do with it. I think baseball was a lot more powerful as a, as a sports entity then, but the seasons don't all match up. So baseball would get going in April, and they just had a lot more exposure to it was America's pastime. We've never had a nickname like that for the NBA, and even to a lesser extent, the NFL um, you know, also didn't have a real global presence. So 
it expanded out in terms of, of networks. And, of course, we've got a, a million channels and a million different ways we can stream sports now and stream everything. But back then, the NBA just had to get better exposed. They had all these great athletes. How And, and you, you kind of hit on it. How do we also make white America, middle America, these flyover states that get mentioned during election campaigns, how do we make them embrace the NBA a lot more as opposed to just something you might play occasionally uh, in your driveway? And, and look, I think we saw it, it utterly explode here with the Toronto Raptors. That there's a lot less street hockey going on on my street, and there's a lot more hoops in the driveway. There's a lot more kids signing up for basketball, and there's less signing up for baseball. It's because the demographics of North America started to change. We know the demographics in Toronto have changed, and, uh, and everybody loves a winner. So David Stern found a way with all these great players. And remember, when Michael Jordan quit in 1998, a lot of people, and it, a lot of people were like, oh, that's, that's going to be trouble for the NBA. We're saying that about golf with Tiger Woods. What's golf going to be like without Tiger Woods? But the NBA always finds new players. LeBron James just turned 35, and the league is in great shape with a lot of young superstars that are, that are going to take the mantle when there's no more LeBron James. And that system started with David Stern. Greg, you brought up our championship team, the Raptors. You know, if it wasn't for David Stern, the Raptors would not exist. There was a big fight uh, to actually get the Raptors, you know, an expansion team into Toronto, uh, you know, back and forth between uh, Larry Tannenbaum and David Stern over the years. Talk about how David is responsible for actually bringing the, uh, the, the Raptors into existence. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. It's hard to believe that in, in 1993 in Toronto, you had the Blue Jays and the Maple Leafs and the Argonauts, and that's the list. That's it for professional sports. So by the time the Raptors come, uh, Dave, David, I think, saw Canada as a, as a natural extension to the marketplace. Remember, he's probably not as being – if we're talking on a Vancouver station this morning, Kelly, we're, he, people would call in and they probably wouldn't praise him the same way because they gave the Vancouver expansion team, the Grizzlies, only a few years. They weren't successful. They didn't click. Uh, it just didn't catch fire. They weren't very good. That makes a big that makes a big difference because people will come and support a winner over the over the course of time. But yeah, it it finally they were real patient in Toronto. There were a lot of lean years. There were a lot of long years. I, I think those years were even, you know, as close as 10, 11 years ago when Chris Bosh decided to leave for the Miami Heat. That's only 2010. And everyone's looking, going, how are the Raptors ever going to get? Yeah, Craig, I, I wonder. I just, I just want to ask you about this because I just thought I did live in Vancouver uh, when the Grizzlies were in existence, and you know their first actual season and beyond. Um, and and the Canucks, you didn't have the same problem getting into a Canucks game as you do getting into a Leafs game. Could the success yeah. of the you know the Raptors here in Toronto? be because it's so hard to get into a Leafs game, you know, whereas it, the Grizzlies, it just didn't happen for him. Yeah, that's a little bit of it. it, it the marketplace is uh, the, the demand for sports and the price for sports in Toronto. Uh, just, it just doesn't seem like there's a ceiling sometime. The Leafs could raise ticket prices tomorrow and there'd be a bit of an outcry, but I don't think you'd see empty seats. And I don't think uh, scalpers out in front and people who put their tickets on StubHub would get any less money. But the Raptors, honestly, David Stern looked at, at Toronto, was real patient with the marketplace, but he didn't do it out of benevolence either. Like, this no. was a guy who loved the battle. He loved the scrap. He, he forced a, a dress code that the players at a certain point in time thought was racist. He was telling them how to dress and look professional on the sidelines. And, but players eventually adapted to it and decided that they would, uh, you know, that they would fall in line to some extent. And maybe it served the league a, a better purpose because I don't know when players, I don't know, I don't know a league, and I count the NFL in this, where players have more prominence, they have more presence on social media, 
and you know more of them. You feel like you know these players, and that didn't happen 30 years ago in the NBA at all. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, 30 years, he said he did not retire. He, he, he left in uh, 2014, left on top, uh, he obviously left a lasting impression on you, Greg. Yeah, I, that's true, too. And I'd say the one thing, the one incident that I think leaps off the page to me is being in university and Magic Johnson with his HIV diagnosis. That was November of 91, and David Stern found it important enough. Remember, we can all say, oh, I'd have been there for, uh, you know, for Magic Johnson if I was the commissioner. Of course I would have. We didn't live in those kind of times back then, and there were a lot of questions about HIV and AIDS that we don't have anymore. A lot of fear. Says, yeah, the science has proven those things to be right but you you were worried then were you, it, you amazingly enough some people i should say were worried then you could get it from a toilet seat you could mm-hmm. get it from a handshake and they let magic johnson they turned around let magic johnson play on that olympic team as an hiv positive man six months later after he retired from basketball i'm not sure every commissioner would have been as uh would have seen the long game and and been as uh you know as progressive uh, a word we didn't tend to use a ton with, with regard to things like that in 1992. And there's a lot of credit for that. Greg, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Got it, Kelly. Anytime. It's Global News Radio 640 Toronto.